Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hi, it's great to be with you. Today we're going to talk about how to find new life in old traditions. And I'd like to start our conversation with a quote from Phyllis Tickle. She says this, Every 500 years, the church goes through a rummage sale and cleans out the old forms of spirituality and replaces it with new ones. This does not mean that previous forms become obsolete or invalid. It simply means they lose pride of place as the dominant form of Christianity. And actually, the three of us had the opportunity to hear Phyllis teach before she passed away. And as I was listening to her describe this idea of going through the attic to get rid of junk that the church has accumulated over the years and how in that process we discover treasures, I was really drawn to this analogy and have used it quite a bit in my life. And um, I think in addition to what I want to get rid of and what I want to keep, I also find myself drawn to the idea of what does it mean to upcycle? Right. So even in practical lives, sometimes we have an old item that, you know, a fresh coat of paint or some other touch up allows me to then engage with it again in a new way. And I find that to be true in my own life with old traditions in Christianity. Uh, Some things, you know, I'm fine moving on from. (laughs) They really don't have life anymore. But I think others just a fresh take somehow helps me to engage. So we want to talk today about this idea of where each of us have found new life in the ancient parts of our faith traditions. I like what you're saying, Christina, because I feel like if I reflect on my own experience, my historical memory feels really short, actually. There's very little that I grew up knowing about or being told about. So as I've gotten into my adult life a little bit, there's kind of been this surge to go back and to look and see what else is there. So I feel very motivated. And obviously we were both at that conference where we got to hear about the 500 year reawakening, reimagining stuff that can happen. Uh, So I could think in my own experience, one of the ways that this has worked out, I was perusing YouTube. Actually, I think you may well have sent me the link to this. It was very helpful. And this woman, Cynthia Borgalt, was teaching on this kind of chant practice that uses one verse. So she was using Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. So she goes through the whole thing, which I found so bold, first of all. Usually if you see videos, there's not a lot of silence. People are super engaged. There's lots of pictures. She even takes like 15 minutes in a video to just be, which I thought was so brave. But But in this particular moment, she does be still and know that I am God. And then the phrase gets shorter and shorter and shorter until you just get to be. And so I started practicing this. And we have a busy life. I have a busy life. Things are always moving and churning. And so I found, particularly when I get to sing it, I don't always get to sing it. Sort of like one note chant, if you will. And one note chant, I was an opera singer. One note chant is like the opposite of opera singing. <laughs> it's like the beginning of all singing, the one note chant. But it turns out that your face will vibrate. It is very calming and very soothing. And it helps me to literally get to that space of just be. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to strive for anything right now. You can just receive, you can just exist. 
Uh, so this one has been very helpful, and I will pull it out now. And that muscle memory, in a way, even if I can't sing it because it's the middle of the night and I would wake my husband up or something, <laughs> that muscle memory will still be there and I can still get the effects of what would happen if I was chanting. So that's one that comes to mind for me. It's interesting that you mentioned chanting. I have another friend who grew up Lutheran and she has been returning back to this idea of chanting the Psalms. And I think hearing her and and also hearing you right now, it's very interesting because I, I grew up Greek Orthodox and we used to have kind of before the divine liturgy, there was what was called the orthos and it was essentially just a handful of old Greek men. And I, we had one lady that was allowed to be a chanter and I always wanted to skip the orthos. It was like an hour of just chanting and that was not my cup of tea at all. And so um, I appreciated the liturgy part, but definitely was not uh, upset when we had to miss the orthos. And so it's really interesting hearing for both you and my other friend that there's something about the ancient chanting that is really resonating with two of my modern friends. So I really appreciate that that is something that you've been able to quote upcycle in your own right. personal life. <laughs> Well, as I think back to you know my faith tradition, I think one of the one of the values was was prayer, and I came from a charismatic tradition where prayer was this bold, uh, the louder, the more exuberant you got, the better the prayer was, and so I I got turned off from prayer for for a while, and. Uh, you know, whenever we were newly married, Christina, you know, I would hear these these comments from people, families that pray together, stay together. And so this idea of praying with, with even with my, my spouse was like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Um, and so I think I just went through this, this time period where I didn't want to pray. I, I didn't want to... Um, I was just turned off by the prayer practices that I experienced in life. And so I don't even know when I heard about it, uh, but I, I heard about the Ignatian practice of the examine. And it's this, this prayer practice where you sort of go through your, your day and you, you think, okay, where was God's presence at? You know, and they would typically call that the consolation. You know, where, where, um, where you experienced God, and so I would name that and and thank God and pray for those things, and then I would go through uh, the desolation, the times where I didn't experience God, and oftentimes, like my consolation and desolation were linked together, and so there was this theme emerging from this practice of the examine in my own life, this, this deep thing that I was examining. And so prayer took on a completely different uh, a form, and it, it brought a lot of great things that um, it is still my, my favorite prayer practice today. So I think of reaching back to you know the Ignatian practice of the examine, which was probably developed in the 1500s sometime. So that's yeah, reaching quite a ways back. That is a good one. And I, I first ran into that through this book, Sleeping with Bread, and I continue to come back to it as well throughout, uh, you know, all the time, actually, throughout nothing, just plain all the time. <laughs> because there is this meaningfulness to, especially stopping for my consolation for sure, 
But one thing that I had learned in that book around the desolations was it can give you information about yourself, like what do you, what you really feel called to, and it can help you channel uh, towards the things that uh, you need to go towards. So I also like that prayer practice. Well, one of the things that I like to do is look at what are the current trends happening in culture and how does that tie back to some of the ancient practices? And I have noticed, I listened to various podcasts and I was reading about the life coaching industry. And I think in 2018, it had reached to a billion dollar in industry. So very rapidly growing industry over the past probably decade. And so I find myself drawn and fascinated about what is it about life coach that really seems to resonate with the wider culture these days. And so again, looking back to some of the quote roots of that and really being drawn to the ancient practice of spiritual direction and how back in the day, these Catholic priests and nuns, when they would go out and do ministry, do missions work, they had someone to whom they could talk to about the ministry and what they were experiencing as they were doing the work of of the gospel in these various areas. And so I appreciate this model of, you know, attending to the inner soul, having space for deep listening, and again, the beautiful roots that came from these ancient traditions from primarily the Catholics, I believe, started this practice years ago, and even seeing how now the modern twist on that with life coaching has really taken off. And um, so I've been spending some time in my own life trying to understand the difference between those two things. I think that certainly there's a lot of crossover, but there's definitely some differences that those two things have to offer. So I would say that that's something that I'm very intrigued about is continuing to learn about spiritual direction or some people call it spiritual companionship because again, I think in our modern culture, the word direction sounds directive, like you're telling me what to do, um, where really it's not that, it's drawing out where the person's at. So even kind of seeing the nuance of the language around that. So I would say that that's definitely a old practice that I'm engaging with in a new way. Yeah, where can you, uh, where can you go to tell your own story, uh, where, whether it's life coaching or spiritual direction, and someone just listens to you for 30 minutes. You know, no, nobody really is able to like talk a monologue for 30 minutes uh, to another person. So I think uh, spiritual direction, life coaching are, are great for our society because it helps us sort of know our own story. I think one of the major problems with individuals today is they don't even know their own story. They're just continuing to go through life and they're not taking the time to reflect on how the events in their life are emerging into this one thing that needs to happen, that needs to come up. Because oftentimes we, we, we keep doing the same experience over and over expecting these different results. So I love life coaching and spiritual direction simply for that reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there are so many jumbles of thoughts that can be running through the head, right? And they'll just keep bouncing with no particular direction. And when I first started with coaching type stuff, I remember thinking, this is hard. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. Uh, so it is it is work, right, to actually say, if I could do anything, if I could narrow it down, what direction would I take? But having somebody ask these thoughtful questions has been such a motivator 
I feel so much clearer, like, okay, I have a purpose, I have a direction, I'm going there. It is good. Hence, I suppose, spiritual direction. But I do like what you're saying about it's somebody coming alongside of you, just listening and being there for you, um, which I think you're right, Chris, right? It's, it is difficult to get that. I mean, most Saturday mornings in this house, I try to take some time for that kind of a thing. And eventually Dominic will say to me, like, I am done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so yes, very helpful. <laughs> yeah, and I think in all of these practices that we mentioned today, there's this element of pause. There's an element of peeling away from the noise of the world, peeling away from the noise of our own minds and spirits. And whether it's um, being attentive to, what, five or six simple words, of the be still and know that I am God or being attentive to those consolations and desolations in our day and really like thinking through, like reviewing our day because again, I don't think that we necessarily pause. We just, okay, it's time for bed and then you go on to the next day. Um, Or that deep listening of the soul where um, maybe at the end of the time, there's no conclusion, there's no next step, none of that, but someone held my story and didn't make me feel rushed and honored whatever it is going on in me for those moments of time, which I think um, I really appreciate that in our fast paced culture, there's a sense of stability and groundedness and slow that it seems like these older practices offer us. I think if there was just one thing that I would continue to, cause I love what you're saying about all of these help to slow us down. And uh, Dominic will sometimes say, if I've, if I've woken up in the night, I really struggle to get back to sleep. And he will say, you need to stop. I can hear you thinking. <laughs> like there's just this says like you. And so things like be still and know that I am God. If I were to do kind of want to just pray your prayers, right? Pray the things that are on your mind. That would actually rile me up. It would be the opposite of getting me to a space where I can sleep. So, yeah, that has been part of the benefit. We tend to have a lot flying around in there and we need a way to settle it. So I guess that would be, it's not really an additional thought so much as coming back, like yes and yes. So. Well, this is the part of our podcast where we want to talk about what we are into this week. Well, I have been into soda stream <laughs> i have a friend who um she makes fun of me and she says that uh that i like to be special and that i have special pins and special drink makers and so she couldn't believe that i didn't have a soda stream and so she actually bought me one for christmas and so i actually have gotten into it you know it's you this little bottle you fill up with water and um you, you carbonate it yourself and then you can add like, you know, I add lemon extract or orange extract and I can't wait to get into like lavender or some, some edible essential oils um, in the future. So I've really been into my soda stream maker. That yes, is exciting. Have. It is. <laughs> um, so I, this week, I am into the Dollar Tree uh, my children had a four-day weekend, and so we went to the Dollar Tree on Monday afternoon, and each of the kids got X amount of dollars to buy crafty sort of items or you know something that struck them. And it was so fun watching my children 
each of their personalities come out in the Dollar Tree store and it's amazing what you can get for a dollar. And I had one child that we she wanted to decorate her ceiling and so we ended up with these flowers and we found these different tomato trellis things that we were able to reconfigure into some cool ceiling thing Uh, my other daughter wanting to make gifts for somebody else so bought some paints and whatnot and then my son's really into numbers and they have these gigantic calculators and he saw that and was like oh wow I mean, just in awe. And so I just thought, you know, the Dollar Tree brings us such delight. And for a few bucks, it, they played like all afternoon into the next day with these different items and it was well worth it. So I am grateful for the Dollar Tree. I love it. Oh my gosh. So much joy. I think what I'm into this week is light. <laughs> I So we are new to being in central Wisconsin after like 18 years of being in New England. And New Englanders frequently complain that the sun does not shine enough, but they do not know how much the sun cannot shine. Oh my gosh. So we had left our Christmas tree up extra long, but eventually it felt wrong to leave it up any longer. So we took it down, but a friend has mailed us some lights to maybe put up. And uh, like, there's a little bit of light coming through your window, Christina, and I am obsessed with it because like, I'm telling you, the sun started to rise and there was this beautiful pink in the world and then the clouds were like, not today, and they just shut it down. So anything that is bright and warm and beautiful, I am soaking it in with everything in me every time, even that small little square of light behind you. (laughs) I love it. I am sitting in a basement, so there's very little light. I'm glad that you can appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. If you want to hear more about how to connect or some more resources, we invite you to check out thecontemplativelife.net. And until then, make it a great week. 